Just a heads up in this episode, we discuss Academy Award predictions that have already happened. Congratulations to the makers of Everything Everywhere All at Once, who I predicted would win Best Picture. And they did. We haven't seen it yet, but uh, we we didn't even watch the Oscars, But so whatever. Now on with the show. Of course it is. I think it's time we talk. What is it the writer says? Tell the story you know. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankowitz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank. 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 This is Herman Mankowitz, but we're to call him Mank. Mankowitz. Herman Mankiewicz, New York playwright and drama critic, turned humble screenwriter, Mr. Hurst. This is a business where the buyer gets nothing for his money but a memory. What he bought still belongs to the man who sold it. That's the real magic of the movies. Thunder, blood, blood, fire, religion. Help! Someone save me! All in one film. That's director proof. That's why I always want Mank around. I hear you're hunting dangerous game. God bless William Randolph Hearst. Ready and willing to hunt the great white whale? Just call me Ahab. Do come in. At this rate, you will never finish. You said 90 days. Well, said 60. I'm doing the best I can. I've put up with your suicidal drinking, your compulsive gambling, your silly platonic affairs. You owe me, Herman. Who do you think you are? You're nothing but a court jester. What I want to know is what you think of it. It's a bit of a jumble, a collection of fragments that leap around in time like Mexican jumping beans. Welcome to my mind, old sock. Him, I get. But what did Marion ever do to deserve it's this? It's not her. Not all characters are headliners. Some are secondary. You pick a fight with Willie. You are finished. Mayor can't save you. Nobody can. Especially the boy genius from New York. I removed any distraction, eliminated every excuse. Your family, your cronies, liquor. I gave you a second chance. You cannot capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope is to leave the impression of one. Why Hurst? Outside his own blonde Betty Boop, you're always his favorite dinner partner. Are you familiar with the parable of the organ grinder's monkey? <laughs> hey! Hi! Welcome back. Do I have chocolate chips in my teeth? I can't tell from here. Maybe a little. Full disclosure. <laughs> We're just going to full disclosure. Okay. We had been talking about this for 30 minutes. <laughs> What we're going to talk about. Yeah. And then I realized I did not hit record on the video. You know what, though? You know what? I love you. I love you, too. It's okay. And we, we were... It felt so good. I we know. were having such a good conversation. But let's uh, let's see if we can recapture the last 25 minutes here. But uh, we've been gone a little bit because uh, a storm came through Nashville. And yeah. our, our fence got complete. We got a backyard fence. It got destroyed. Yeah. Um, our internet was out for days, mm-hmm. so we couldn't do much. But we did a movie roulette. Or it wasn't movie roulette. That's a different one. For oh, mo- yeah. For movie roulette, it fell on to Johnny Mnemonic, which we probably will watch sometime this coming week. Yes, this was the randomizer. And I also think that this, uh, not this weekend, 
But the next weekend, we're going to start with new movies. Oh, yes. Because we just don't really have time to go this weekend, right? We got some cool stuff we want to watch, right? I mean, yeah. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll let yeah. you know. Yeah. But, uh, but before we get into the movie we're discussing here, which was our randomly selected movie, Mank, yeah. Mank. 2020 feature. And I think it kind of links in to the conversation we're going to have. Because did you know hmm. that this Sunday, you don't know. Because we no never idea. watch this shit. We love movies. We don't watch this shit. The 95th Annual Academy Awards. Yeah. And if you hear our dogs licking their genitalia or <laughs> snoring, it's just how it is. And <laughs> we're probably not going to watch it, but I think as we go. No, we will not be watching we, we go, <laughs> we go through a year, year. I always like look to see who won, but I never watch this shit. Ever. Yeah, I mean, I want to see who wins, but I don't care. I like to know who's nominated, just to be like, did we miss anything we need to see? Which I think we're going to talk about. And I made a list of Best Picture winners. Do you know who won Best Picture last year? You're going to have a hard time because no one ever fucking talks about this movie. Um, It's, there's like, you look in the past like eight years, and like most of the movies are some fucking movies no one ever talks about. It's a movie called Coda. I didn't even, there's no way I would have pulled that. I had no idea what that was. Yeah. No one fucking talks about this movie. Okay. And uh, I've, I was looking at a little, let me, let me pull up our little list. Uh, I won't pull it up on the screen. I'll just say it. So I, okay. I wrote like, there's not all like 94. We'll know who the 95th winner is. And I think we will watch the winner of best picture. Okay. Like very soon. And I'll, we'll, I'll do a prediction who I think it is based on. The fact that we only watched one of the movies really? that are nominated, what? but it's my it's my vote my vote for best movie. But I'm gonna go in just like the last uh, eight years of best picture winners, okay? Mm-hmm. From most recent and and going back, okay. Coda, never, never heard, heard of, of it. it. Nomadland. I actually 2020 want to watch that. I put it on the list I'm making of movies based on real life. Francis McDormand. Yeah. I want to see that. Uh, Parasite by Bong Joon Ho, which actually was get did get a lot of. Sir, I saw it. I like. I still I like need the movie. to see it. It's on my list. This too. movie kind of became one that like everyone was weirdly talking about. It was kind yeah. of weird. Like it doesn't seem like the type of movie that everyone would talk about, but they did. Yeah. Green Book. Okay. Which was I didn't uh, see that the Drive-In Miss Daisy of the 2010s, right? Yep. <laughs> I did know that that one. You know, it was directed by Peter Farrelly. I think he's one half of the Farrelly brothers. I think you're right. That I think I haven't seen Green Book, but I think it was the uh, like the equivalent of Crash winning in like the 2000s. Oh, the worst. There is a good Crash. It's not the one that has an Oscar. But no one talks about fucking Green Book now. No one gives a fuck about no. Green Book. And apparently that story was like, like they all are pretty embellished, right? Then The Shape of Water. I do want to see that. I it, still haven't. It was, a, but every, the thing that everyone talked about was like Lady Fucks Fish Man. I've seen that scene. I watched it on someone else's laptop on an airplane. Ooh, did you? No. Was it sexy watching it like that? No. <laughs> uh, Moonlight, twenty sixteen. That is a amazing good movie. movie. That is a good movie. That is an amazing Barry movie. Barry Jenkins. Spotlight by Tom McCarthy. Uh, that is about the economic crash of two thousand eight. And Birdman, or the unexpected virtue Wait, of ignorance. Spotlight. I thought that was about. No, you're right. It was about, it's about the Boston. The, it's the the newspaper that broke the story about That's the priests right. molesting children. Oh, I saw that. That was that pretty was a good. good movie. That was um, 
What's his name that we like? The Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk was in that. Mm-hmm. And then Birdman. <laughs> the Michael I King still movie. haven't seen Birdman. Do you remember that movie Argo? Did yeah. you know that one best picture Argo, in Argo, fuck yourself. <laughs> you know that one best picture in 2012? I did know that. I, really? Mm, yeah, I know I mean, it was one. fine, but I was like, I wouldn't watch, I didn't watch that being like, I this think, is the best movie I've seen all year. No, I didn't think, but I think that was around the time when I might have still been watching the Oscars sometimes. Like, I don't know, but I knew it won and I didn't. I don't know what it was up against, and but the fucking Hurt on. Locker won that year. That that was really the best movie that year. Is the Hurt Locker? I never saw that one either. Um, I I'm think, doing bad at this list of what I've seen. I, I have to go back to honestly, in terms of movies that I felt like that one best picture that seemed like they had a, a legitimate cultural effect mm-hmm. and resonance. Um, maybe Parasite comes closest, but Moonlight. Uh, you know, I Moonlight is very good, but I don't know. I don't really hear people get on it that much. Well, but I'm going back to 2007. It was impactful for me. Go 2007's No Country for Old Men. I'm talking about the greater zeitgeist of culture. No, what you're people right. Keep that referencing huge. over time and stuff. I do think Moonlight was a great movie. Yeah, but No Country for Old Men. Like I still hear references from about All characters from those movies. Yeah, like that is probably the most culturally the last true culturally significant best picture winner can i ask you a question about that movie go ahead because someone said something the other day and if this is true i didn't understand that movie okay the guy from switchblade man or whatever swiss army man that kid i don't know his name um but he played the riddler in the in the batman paul dano paul dano he's the dad in uh the fablemans too Okay, that's number two for why I want to watch The Fablemans. Because I love him. I <laughs> think he's Dano. great. I think Paul Dano is really great. Uh, so Paul Dano is in... No Country for Old Men? Was I it? was... Nope. Okay. Sorry. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Academy... The best... Sorry. <laughs> she looks like a... But I was thinking of the one... Uh, what ex- What were you... The Milkshake movie. That's I hear about more. I drank your milkshake. That, that. Oh, no, you're thinking of... Um, <laughs> what is um, that called? That there oil. Will, there will be blood. There will be blood. That's Paul Anderson Dano. Movie. That came out around the same time. Yes, and I saw that one. Uh, that's a good movie, too. Uh, that one, I saw them both, but I feel like I hear that one referenced constantly. Yeah, that and one's I don't one hear No Country referenced. for Old Men referenced. I hear There Will Be Blood referenced constantly. I hear No Country for Old Men. I hear people referencing Anton Sugar like as this uh, force of nature figure. In mm. cinema, I hear things compared to him. Like it, 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 I guess in my world and the things I absorb, it still is a pretty resonating movie. Fair, but so is There Will Be Blood. But did Paul Dano play his own twin brother in There Will Be Blood? His own twin brother. Someone said that on a podcast I was listening to, and I was like, I thought oh. he was just a guy who changed. Uh, he played his kid, right? All right, we're in the weeds. <laughs> Uh, let's go through the Academy Award nominees of the Academy Awards that we will not watch for Best Picture. But I will say that at least half of these I'm actually pretty interested in watching. Okay. So, uh, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Yes, I do want to see that. I was, I was not interested when I first heard about this, but the word of mouth on this one and how just absolutely 
strange and out there this movie is. Yeah. Like, it might be ridiculous in a way that may or may not be unintentional. I'm not sure. And apparently this actor crushes this role. I've heard he's really good. I think he's a Disney kid or something. So some people who are younger have actually said it's a little weird watching him play this role. Uh, Who, like, watched him as a Disney kid, I think. But um, I, when I was younger, I was... Obsessed with Baz Luhrmann movies around, you know, at our ballroom. Young women in our age range, they rocked some Baz. We Luhrmann. were, it, it was all about Romeo and Juliet. But they were when I was even some younger, ba- some Baz. Even younger, ballroom. I was obsessed with Elvis movies. So I'm in. I love Elvis. Cool. Uh, Avatar: The Way of Water. We Don't ne- care. We never saw the first one. <laughs> uh, this movie I want to watch. That we haven't seen. And I think, I, I have a feeling this is the kind of movie I'm going to watch. Okay. Tar. Right. And the director, I heard, had worked with uh, Stanley Kubrick in the past. Uh-huh. And, a, and I've heard it described as it's kind of got this cold sense of humor about it. Okay. And, yeah, and I think you had previously had stated that it was, you thought maybe it was based on. I thought on it a, was. That was a common belief. Yeah, I thought it was based on a true but it is story not. or at least like a time or group of people. I thought there were at least characters that were real that she interacted with or that she was an amalgamation. Uh I've heard about I've heard the amalgamation argument, but like no, this is a completely but fictional. But honestly, person. can you make that argument about almost anything? Yeah. Yeah. Uh All Quiet on the Western Front. The third ever best picture winner was the original movie version of this. I'm sure it's fine, It's but no one's really talking about it. Has a movie and a remake both ever won? The, if All Quiet on the Western Front it could it be the, the first, first. It, might, it could be the first You one. know, it happens in Broadway, obviously. Sure. Like a Tony, like a show will get a Tony and then a revival will get a Tony. But it's a lot less to pick from. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, which apparently, quote unquote, saved Hollywood. I mean... I, uh, it is a huge movie that wasn't a superhero movie. Yeah. I'll give it credit for that. I was a Top Gun fan. I think this is like the biggest movie of last year. No, uh, Way of Water definitely, um, made Way of Water Avatar. I oh, just yes, mentioned yes. it. But, uh, Top Gun. Yeah. Apparently, this was like the biggest movie last year. I guess I just don't care. Because, like, apparently in it, there's this storyline that, like, I guess Kelly McGillis left him because he was a jerk. Oh, well, she didn't come back for the role. she's not in the second one. So, like. I heard she essentially retired, like, a long time ago. Uh, The next one is the movie I think will probably win Best Picture based on how I hear the general audience talk about it. I hear people who aren't, like, I feel like I'm getting mixed reviews from when I listen to film nerds talk about it, mm. but the general public who has seen it, it's kind of become a little bit of a phenomenon. And it seems like a lot of people like it, but, and I've heard that Michelle Yeoh is really good in it, but I'm talking about everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will watch it. I know it's supposed to be really great, but when it came out, I just had really, I was really feeling exhausted by multiverse Movies, yeah. You keep talking while to I the get point. This door. Totally, <laughs> cats opening it on his own. Actually, uh, to the point where 
I just didn't want to see it literally at all. I liked Michelle Yeoh. My only experience with her previously was in Star Trek Discovery, which like we liked a little bit and then we kind of we fell off. But that, fell, that, that show fell off hard. I'm more excited to watch like Michelle Yeoh's early stuff. We were in we were at a movie recently and we mm. actually saw a preview for one of her early. The heroic films. trio was uh, was playing at uh, Belcourt. She was so a big fun. She was a big Hong Kong action star, and yeah, I'm totally down to go back and watch a lot of those. But I know I know this is supposed to be great, but I just. I don't know anything about it except that it's multiverse. That's uh, been a complaint I've heard from people who have seen it because it's just kind of, it's the the multi-dimensional thing. It's something we're seeing in all the superhero movies. Mm-hmm. It's some. It, it just seems like it is stemming off of something that is kind of like common. So if you're feeling like a burnout on certain uh, rehashed sci-fi plots, yeah. Then this might make you roll your eyes a little bit. Yeah. In fact, I've got a personal project I've slowly been working on that deals with interdimensional shit. Yeah. And because I recognize that multiversal stuff is so common now that I'm thinking about like maybe putting it on the back burner. It's even in television shows. Yeah, it is. It's my it's like a, the new MacGuffin, right? I mm. guess. Um mm. but you know, I've heard it's uh at the very least a good move. Uh, the Yas Queen pick <laughs> is a movie about Mennonite women called Women Talking. I don't know anything about this except that you told me it was about Mennonite women, and mm. I want to watch it. Can the men handle it? I bet they can't. Okay. Men um, might be able to <laughs> handle it. Keep going. Okay, this movie is <laughs> a movie that I've been wanting to see, actually pretty bad. And this is probably the most I've wanted to see a Steven Spielberg movie in a while. 20 years ago, we were like, let's not let's watch anything but a Steven Spielberg movie, yeah. right? I feel like 8mm was maybe the last. Not 8mm. What was the one with the kids where they were making That movie? wasn't a Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> that was like a fucking... Who's Lens Flare, dude? What is Lens Flare, man? What the fuck is that guy? It's cool. Why you put me down these things where I can't remember anyone? If you can't remember, Sorry. I can't remember because I'm trying to talk about I something else. I was else. saying the right thing. I apologize. You're thinking like when the kids find the alien. That's the yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, and that movie was just like okay. <laughs> I thought it was Spielberg. I guess I can see why you would think that. It's kind of inspired. It seems like it's inspired from yeah. Spielberg movies. But this one I want to watch. This movie did not linger in the theaters very long. Yeah. But Steven Spielberg does usually get a, a little love from the Academy. And this movie is apparently supposed to be an interesting interpretation that maybe uh, is about Steven Spielberg's childhood. Yeah. The Fablemans. The Fablemans. And David David Lynch plays, uh, I'm forgetting the famous, John Ford. <laughs> John Ford. Yeah, I will watch anything with David Lynch. Apparently, so there's, sold. apparently there's some like wild shit like uh, in this movie too. Okay. Um, uh, the Banshees of Inishirin, the only so movie we good. saw. It's good. It's really good. So good. I don't know if Barry Keegan was nominated for anything else. He but, better be. And how, does it feel like Colin Farrell? Ever since, like, The Lobster, yeah, it's like, we got to go see that Colin Farrell movie. Hell yeah. Prior to that, he was in, like, a bunch of action movies and shit, right? Yeah. He played the Penguin in The Batman. He did fine there. He did fine. That was a lot of makeup. The Lobster. 
Lobster is so good. So good. Now it's all about like we gotta go see the Colin Farrell movie. Where back in the day I was like, oh, yeah, the Colin Farrell guy. Yeah, he wasn't even suck. on my radar, and I don't even think until after this one he was officially <laughs> on my radar. But when those two things together, it's like, oh hell yeah. yeah. I'm, it's just hell like yeah. I feel like every time I'm seeing him and shit now, it's like I'm like into it. Yep. Uh, and uh, the the one that I probably know the least about is uh, Triangle of Sadness. I don't know anything about that. So we've only seen the Banshees of Inisherin. So and that's my winner. That's your winner. <laughs> I'm, just based on uh, general public reaction, I'm picking everything, everywhere, all at once. I think that's a pretty strong contender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's uh, pretty appropriate, I guess, that you know we're talking about the Academy in Hollywood because oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we did our randomly selected movie on our very first episode drop you can go back barely anyone's heard it yeah but uh our uh hotel transylvania episode is so far our number one Ooh. and uh although i if i could say what's a better homage to classic movies uh hotel transylvania or this one you might be surprised <laughs> <It's Hotel Transylvania>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i got my flat cap on to represent like old timiness or whatever and uh we watched our our randomly selected movie was the film mank the 2020 yeah. film released on netflix by david fincher let's see who's in this movie we got Gary Oldman. He does a good job. He plays Herman Mankiewicz. At the age of 43. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, if because you're... he's an alcoholic. <laughs> that looks like a 1930, 1941-43. Yeah, for sure. So I, I let that pass. I did notice 20, that. This That's right. It's different now. <laughs> and we don't, like, uh, drink like they're about to ban it. Uh, Amanda Seyfried <laughs> plays Marion Davies, who Marion Hurst, William Randolph Hearst lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lily Collins plays the 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 girl who's typing everything as Mank is dictating Citizen Kane to her. Stenographer. What a what a I guess that was a necessary role. Uh, Joe, his it bro- was like they wanted to give him a daughter figure. I don't know. Yeah. A little weird. crowded. It was weird. A little crowded. You could have, like, wrote, you know, we, we're embellishing in these biopics. There's not everyone is even popping off that much. It's just like, um, you know, explaining how important the ladies are instead of just letting them be important, I guess. You know, this movie's kind of got that problem. Yes. Uh, Tom Pelfrey plays his brother, Joe Mankiewicz. Joe Mankiewicz would go on to win a Best Picture Oscar for All About Eve. I think mm-hmm. that happened in like 1950. I want to watch that. Which was about a year or two before uh, Herman Mankiewicz finally drank himself to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arliss Howard plays Louis Meyer from the Metro Goldwyn Meyer, the movie studio. Um, Sarah Mankiewicz played by Tumpets Middleton. And uh, of course, this is all about uh, Mank writing Citizen Kane. So we got a Tom Burke playing Orson Welles and my man, Charles Dance. And we Charles Dance <laughs> on the waves of the ocean's romance. Uh, he played William Randolph Hearst. Yes. You got to love a Charles Dance appearance. Tywin Lannister. Tywin Lannister, yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much that. Directed by Fincher. Writ- okay, we're done. Written by his brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much that. <laughs> So this movie is, um, you know, uh, this movie, I should clarify that we thought, was this made with old timey gear or anything like that? No, it's no. all actually digitally recreated because 
Fincher's been on the digital recreation kick for quite a while. And and Fincher's made some movies that we've really loved. And I'm yeah. not going to even say that this is a bad movie. No, it's not a bad movie. But in terms of Fincher fare, it's not what, the what's, best. What's peak Fincher, right? Zodiac? Oh, hell. Zodiac's, Zodiac's one of the, amazing. Zodiac's one of the best true crime movies, feature films ever, yeah. right? Yeah. Didn't he do the first Magic Mike? No, that's Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> oh, you knew that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I got it wrong. But as soon but as you, you said, said just no, kidding, like thus, this I, is my great joke. As soon as where you said I don't, no, I realized how wrong I was. Like as soon as you said no, I was like, right, just kidding. You were like, just, oh, so, I wasn't trying to say I was joking. Uh, that was not it. It was like, uh, wait, that was dumb. I, I want to present uh, this joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. How you framed like how? But it, it based, wasn't a joke. But you said it was. No, I didn't. I know what you mean, but it just is silly the Even way. Even when you say just kidding. That doesn't mean I was telling you a joke. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Back up. That's really all that meant. I got this little joke I play where I pretend that Backing up. Steven Soderbergh directed David Fincher movies Stop. and vice versa. What are it, other David Fincher movies? It's a real hit. What are other David Fincher movies? Fight Club. I love Fight Club. Alien 3. Okay. <laughs> that goes back a ways. I get the aliens confused after one. Well, the, I don't know what the first two are the best. Yeah. One is Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. sci-fi horror. Second is James Cameron, so it's like sci-fi action. Right. And then after that, it does fall off Maybe that's hard. when I get confused is after It that. falls off kind of hard yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, Venture. Hold on. Now he, <laughs> I mean, he made so many. Zodiac, we said that. You fucker. Let's see here. Gone Girl. Okay. Gone Girl's good. It's not my fave. The Social Network. Okay. The Curious Case of Benjamin's Button. I've never seen that movie. The uh, stateside version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, he did a lot of videos. Like when we were in the 90s, he did a... Remember Panic Room? He did that. Yeah, Panic Room's good. Yeah. That was The a Game movie. with uh, Michael Douglas. I That was in the theater when I worked in the movie theater. And so I saw that movie... A couple of times. And seven. Ah. Um, that one. Seven. Seven. What's in the box? Yeah. That's old Finchie. He's a good. He's a good director. He's this, good at drama. Not even. Okay. After all of that, those are all better movies than this. This you know, is not a bad movie, but you didn't name a movie that I would say is. This worse is be- than this, this is better than Alien Three. Okay. Well, I don't remember that one. So let's that one aside. Okay. I'll give you that. But I'm just saying, every every other one of those I think was better. You also mentioned that he digitally made this look old. Yes, it wasn't like really, old gear. He just made it black and white. Yeah. And it was, it took me out of it a lot because I know that he was trying to sort of emulate the way that Citizen Kane was filmed. That is, this whole movie is taking the techniques that were popularized. I forget the name of the cinematographer in Citizen Kane, but he is dropping a bottle of booze. It represents he's dropping the snow globe. Totally. Everything is like way darker than it needs to be because it's trying to be like the reporter scene where they're walking down the stairs or they're in the newsroom. But the bits don't, the bits they choose to mirror for me, don't fit. Like what he takes the dark, uh, the dark news reporter scene makes sense because they're all faceless and they're just against him, right? Mm. But in this movie, the dark scene is like the writers in their writer room, which Mank is part. It just doesn't. 
It doesn't tra- have the same weight. It do- no, it, so not it doesn't at all. make sense. Not it at all. Feel like there's a reason. And when you can, if you notice, if and you can tell what he's doing, obviously. Yeah. But but you're right. When you're watching Citizen Kane, even so far removed from when it was made, and you see those I shots just of the reporters talking in the dark, mm-hmm. and like they're walking around his old mansion, like it still feels fresh. It still looks good. Yeah. But that like qual that quality freshness is not translated when they're emulating that shit in this movie. Yeah. And that was kind of an aspect of it that was like just. Put some lights on people, for fuck's sake. We like this era of Hollywood. Totally. Like I'm a big fan of Orson Welles. Yeah. And this period, this kind of like, you know, from the 20s and through the 30s, we're transitioning from uh, the silent movies into the talkies, right? Yeah. And we're, uh, and this is kind of like the second wave of old Hollywood where Orson Welles is coming in in the 40s and they're giving him carte blanche to hire who he wants, RKO Pictures. And of course, we got... Uh, Herman Mankiewicz is played by Gary Oldman. He does a great job. He does. I mean, he's a good actor. He is, always has been. And he's got a broken leg and he's dictating the script. He's got 90 days and then 60 days and he's supposed to be sober, but he's an incorrigible drunk yeah. and he's way clever. He's so clever. He talks like Orson Welles does in the movie he wrote. The phone calls <laughs> that they had together. This is why, like, a little ways into it, I said to you, this feels like a play. And it was after the first mank wells phone call because it was just that super way too fast like gilmore girls amy heckerling rapport and uh, yeah, that's yeah. actually maybe why i thought the, the soderbergh rapport that might have been why i thought soderbergh was i think you're thinking he does that too i think you're thinking of not amy heckerling maybe she does like gilmore a, girls no no that's um she didn't do gilmore girls amy heckerling directed clueless you're right. I'm I forget. I forget the name of who did Gilmore Girls. Okay, but I think maybe somebody like a well, like a Diablo Cody writing, but old timey. You know, these writers, these Hollywood personalities, they did kind of talk a little larger than life. I, you know, Amy they, Sherman Palladino. There you go. There you go. My bad. I got my Amy's mixed up. My fast talking Amy's. Yeah, Amy Heckerling. Uh, she made. Uh, you know, Palladino made some good stuff, hmm. uh, but Heckerling underrated. Very underrated. We should the... watch Vamps. Yeah. Never seen it. Yeah. We check a lot of stuff out. <laughs> we Hec- like movies. We like Amy Heckerly. <laughs> we like her. Uh, I felt like Tom Burke's portrayal of Orson Welles, he sounded like Orson Welles. Yeah. Except when he got a little mad. I yeah. felt like it got lost there. But like some people can do an Orson Welles impression. Like if you think about like the Pinky and the Brain. Oh, yeah. That cartoon. I loved Pinky and the, the Brain. The Brain was just an Orson Welles impression. Like. We're going to do the same thing we do every night, Pinky. Well, I didn't do that very good. No. <clears throat> you did it better earlier. Yeah. When, do it again. You can do well, it. Well, that footage we didn't record <laughs> when I really crushed the Orson Welles impression. Damn you, Rosebud. Rosebud. <laughs> I mean, you look in the dead center of our video and movie humpers, that's Orson Welles's. La- cackling face that yep. our logo is over sure is. and so he's he is a part of us we do love <laughs> orson wells yeah and the personalities of the time and you know i thought you know i don't i didn't think this was a very badly written movie essentially we're going and we're bouncing all around just like citizen kane did the first movie to really do that mm-hmm. and and we're bouncing around from when um 
uh, Herman Mank Mankiewicz. Uh, he's going from playwriting into Hollywood. I think it's all in the span of like 34 to 39. Yeah. Or, or up to 41 where Citizen Kane originally came out. Yeah, it's basically taking you... It's telling you the story that he's sort of basing Citizen Kane on, which is this relationship that he had with William Hurst and his yeah. lady. Which felt maybe that was... A, I wonder... I don't know how close they were, but it seemed like quite an embellishment. It, it really did. It did seem like um, the mayor... Not the mayor, Louis Mayer. Yeah, Metro Golden. Apparently, Mayer. very good friends with Hearst. This movie also posits that Hearst actually like gave him a lot of money to keep the business running, probably because he wanted his little wife to be in the movies. Yeah, Marion Davies was a star. Yeah, and so yeah, and she married William Randolph Hearst. And honestly, so there's a connection. If this movie is at all true. To history, it really does make sense that, that Citizen Kane was based on at least that aspect of Citizen Kane. The relationship yeah. with the woman was very much based on this Marion Davies relationship yeah, yeah. with Hearst. Because in the in Citizen Kane, I believe it was that his girl was like an opera singer. Like he he would like fill theaters for her. Like that was part of what we yeah. did. In this, it's movies, but in Citizen Kane, it was opera. So he changed it like this much. I don't know. Um, I, feel, I feel like I just, this movie just makes me want to watch Citizen Kane again. I know, me too. They also talk about how, like, this movie is very much like Mank is writing this about Hearst, and everyone's scared that if Mank goes up against Hearst, he's going to kill his career. But the story we've always heard is that it's an amalgamation of sure charles amalgamations like the word of the day um of all these people but hearst did have negative reactions to this and apparently sure. didn't run ads for it in his newspapers which might have contributed it to it not being very popular when it first released well and you know this movie tells the story of the reason he got in their life was because he was in a writer's room with marion davies nephew and the nephew, like, randomly asks him to come home for the weekend. And there's this really wonderful scene, which I didn't understand at first. And then once I saw it was happening, I really, really loved it, where the nephew's inviting Mank to come home on the weekend. And Mank's like, I don't know, we'll see. And he's like, be here at 7 a.m. if you want to come along. And then Mank walks off the scene. And then you see from the other side, almost, it's like, I don't even know if the camera changes, like... A car comes and it's the next morning already and he gets out of the car drunk, goes with the guy drunk, wakes up in the middle of nowhere and doesn't know where he is. He hears a girl screaming. He goes and finds it's Marion filming a movie yeah. that Pops had the idea to film her in, who is what she calls Hearst, which is a little bit like Daddy Complex. Pops. Pops. Call pops. him Pops. She calls him Pops. Yeah, the transitions were good. If I started calling you Pops, that'd be weird, right? Depends on the context. Could I dress like an old man and be like, anyway, no. I'm gonna move on quick from that. I don't think so. <laughs> um, the transitions did work, but like yeah. it is, but it is also something that Citizen Kane did popularize. It was unique when Citizen yeah. Kane did it. So we are kind of used to seeing movies that bounce around like that. Yeah. So in that sense, it that is the one thing that it pulled that seemed to be working, that seemed to yeah. work just fine. I also really, really loved within these five. Oh, it actually told us at the beginning, it would say like, in it was act like it was a script. Like a film yeah, script. Yeah. So it's like interior, wherever, and then it, the year, and it would actually say flashback. Yeah, real and cute. 
It was a little much. It, it, and because it had the typewriter noise, that a was a little it. much. A little on it. And it would be there and then it would go down the sure. page like you were, I don't know. It, it was a lot. You get it. You get but it I real quick. The year. All it needed to say was the years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in these flashbacks, you know, we don't really get a lot of like establishing relationship stuff with his wife because it's not about this, but his wife is in his life the whole time. Like at one point he's telling her how he doesn't think that Wizard of Oz is going to do any good yeah, in, the, yeah. in the theater. Is, she's basically putting him to bed or in the it movie is, theater. Yeah. It is cool how he's like wrong a lot. I know. Yeah, he was wrong a lot. But what I really loved about Sarah um, and the actress who played her is that she felt like the grounding part of his life and she at one point talks about, you know, we how she dealt with his, like, traumatic drinking and his... Platonic affairs. Platonic affairs <laughs> and all I like this, that. Like, I like that term. To the point where she's so accepting of it to where, like, they never, they never hint that anything happened between him and Marion Davies. But there's this party where Marion Davies gets upset because she's talking and all of a sudden it's like... She said that Hearst was on the phone with the president and it like everyone kind of freaked out a little bit. Mm. And so she ran off embarrassed and literally his wife was like, go check on her. The, go get her. The only real kind of like juicy female role in this is mm-hmm. by Amanda Seyfried. Absolutely. Marian. The Sarah stuff you kind of felt for Sarah, but at the same time, like this movie could have just you could have never seen Sarah. Maybe it doesn't make that much difference. I liked it i liked her yeah i especially at you know how like she would call because from a lot of the movie she's he's supposed to be writing so she's taking the kids away Mm -hmm. and she does come to visit at one point but she'll call and you know he always calls her poor sarah yeah because he's so terrible poor sarah this and poor sarah that and literally the girl answered the phone and said to him it's poor sarah (laughs) it's your wife like she was embarrassed because she called her this terrible nickname but I loved at the end when she looked at him in the face and she was like, he always is asking her, why do you love me? Yeah. Why do you love me? Why do you love me? Yeah. But but the fact that she is still with him shows you that there is something lovable about him. I don't know. But I mean, then she does say, like, no just, one better call me poor Sarah. I think she just again. settles for that lot in life, you know? The money's pretty good, at least. So. I guess. You know, and uh, the 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 uh, the Lily Collins's character, who's t- taking down everything as Mank describes. She's like the, the stenographer, yeah, or look, whatever it's called. The, the, there wasn't that much depth to that character, even no. though it seemed like she could have been important, but wasn't really. I mean, if you're going to embellish things in or out, I don't know if that character needed to be in there that much. Yeah, there was also a nurse character that truly only seemed to be there because there was one scene where she said that Mank had paid to bring her entire family from Germany, her entire village, like 100 people. I wonder if that was true. Which is amazing, and I really want to know if that's true because that is really cool. But it does feel like... They made sure to put her in there to tell that story. Because you would think if you were trying to kind of condense cast or, like, condense things, you could have made those two women the same person. They're also, yeah. They're I don't all, know. Yeah, and they're all, she's also supposed to be the force that's supposed to keep him clean. But that totally never works, like, even for a second. Well, yeah, yeah. Everyone, like, leaves him alcohol. Because yeah. he can't sleep if he's not drinking because he's such an alcoholic that he can't write. You when might, he's not drinking. You might hear our dogs licking and snoring. Yeah. So They're in here. They're always in here. If you hear Snorting, like a crazy. That's a dog. Yeah, that's a story. <laughs> here, let me pick this dog up and show her. To, come here. 
I think BB was on last time, too. Oh, I think so. I'll pick her up. She's not coming to me to get picked up, so I'm not going to worry about it. All right. So we go back into the 30s as uh, Mank is, you know, goes back and forth, like we said. Yeah. And I I did like the when he's first getting into the movies (laughs) and he's heading up these writer's rooms. And they're coming in, and they're and he's a gam and he gambles like the dumbest shit, and and they're that part where like this staff of writers is just off the top of their head pitching a movie to executives. Oh yeah, a pretty funny scene. But it's interesting because if you look back in old movies like that, and you look at like the writing credits, it'll be like eight writers yeah. on a movie. And there's probably like four more that are just uncredited. It's like it really was kind of a committee, and yeah. you had your dude at the top that was like the the mayor of the writing room. I guess that was Mankiewicz, right? The head writer. There's just so it was really yeah. a true committee to put all this together. So, um, but but as as far as I know, and as far as this movie posits, it was probably just Mankiewicz and probably Orson and some rewrites were the yeah. people who wrote Citizen Kane. He did, they did show him bringing rewrites at the end. Yeah, yeah. They did show that part. But. And, and when he encounters an angry Orson and then he gets the idea for that scene in Citizen Kane where Ugh. Foster wrecks the room after his wife Which leaves him. Which is one of the best scenes. Dope ass scene. Because it's like so real. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, as the movie started, you know, everyone's a little so clever and your brain has to adjust to the, 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 the cleverness of it all. But uh, I prefer awkward movies. <laughs> but there was some stuff, some historical stuff that I didn't know that because apparently the writer of Oil and The Jungle, Upton Sinclair, he was like a reporter yes. who he really changed how meatpacking and shit is certain industries do things in totally. this country. And we're rolling back on a lot of those nowadays. But <laughs> but he really did kind of pop stuff off and was a bane of tycoons back in his day. Mm-hmm. And he was running basically as a democratic socialist mm-hmm. in california and mank he amongst these you know he's in the rooms with william randolph Hearst, and he's like the token socialist that's like uh everyone likes the way mank talks he's so fun to be around and he's the one that's like actually i kind of agree with socialism sometimes and they're like oh mank oh yeah. and he's always like Pointing out things that they're doing that's terrible, but they all just think he's joking. Oh, you're so funny to talk about how terrible we are. But but it's kind of like a bullshit thing where he's like, I'm I'm a little, I kind of side with this guy, but I'm going to work for you guys and make a fucking film where, you know, we trick people into not voting for Upton Sinclair and pretend that we invented a politician's line. I can't believe we totally invented that. Uh. We invented that. They did not do that, but <laughs> it does seem that they're 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 trying to insinuate that they created the idea of using actors to pretend yeah. that they felt a certain way politically for a smear campaign. I mean, I'm sure they were smeared on the radio for a yeah. long time before that. That was a really um that was a really upsetting part where they it was this guy that Mank knew. So Mank had had the idea. Yeah. But then he was seeing the videos and he was like, I don't like this. And he tried to get it pulled. He was like, we should not do yeah, this. Yeah, but it was too late. He even like went to Marion to be like, please tell Hearst to tell Mayor to not do this. But he but couldn't. She, but she had walked on the studio, she so she couldn't. Already go back. made her exit, and there was like a there was like press there, like, and she's like, I can't go back. Yeah, I've already made my exit, and then he just got out and started laughing because it's like that's what's gonna keep this from 
from not happening. Yeah. But his friend who had never got a had never directed before, they like had him direct this. Mm. And then when Upton Sinclair lost, he felt personally terrible yeah. for having caused that to happen with the video with the movie that he made. Because he and, had he had had some hard times, so he kind of related to yeah. the the stances Sinclair was he standing up did. for. He absolutely did. And he was like, what have I done? What have we done? And he actually um, was a victim of suicide. Yeah. Uh, and Mank has this moment where he kind of, I think it's at this moment, there's a couple times where he kind of realizes, like, I've fucked up, you know? Yeah. But that was the moment when he said, I always have to be the smartest guy in the room. Or whatever, or the most clever guy in the, the room. The most clever, whatever and the fuck that is. It's means. almost like because he, he made flawed, a joke. He is flawed, at least in that This sense. whole thing happened because he, like, had an idea. Yeah. But it's like. He wrote that campaign movie, Yeah, he right? wrote it. And the campaign movie, it's like, it shows. I think. I mean, at least had the idea for it. Yeah. And, um, and they ran with it. They ran with it. And the movie will show, it shows, like, everyday white people talking about how they'll vote for the GOP yeah. candidate against Upton Sinclair because they want to save their money. They worked hard for it. And to show people supporting Upton, they showed one black guy and an immigrant. Yeah. And the immigrant's like, yeah, we want to bring the Russian Revolution here. You know? Yeah. The very specific Propaganda. To, to like a dog whistle imagery. Yeah. To trigger white people to be like, well, we don't want to vote with the black guy and the immigrant are yeah. uh, are going to vote for. This was also during the time of it was pre World War Two. Yes, and leading so up. So there's a lot of talk about this guy Hitler. We're yeah. also coming out of the Great Depression mm-hmm. during this time. Of course, Mank is, uh, you know, he's intellectually on the right side of everything, but doesn't do anything truly right except. Writes a really good movie called Citizen Kane. And he, think, he definitely is one of those guys who thinks he's the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> I mean, he might be, but that doesn't mean you're going to do the good things There's all the time. There's a difference between being it and thinking it. Yeah. And even if you are it, if you think it, then it's it kind of, it, you lose some of it. Orson Welles, the idea is that Mank is going to write this, but it's supposed to go uncredited. Yeah. And, I, and it's pretty much because he kind of like burned his bridges. There's a scene... Because where he's sitting with all the Hearst and Louis Meyer, and he finally is just too much of a messy bitch for the last time, and <laughs> yeah. he throws up at a like a dinner party, makes Marion mad, and makes Marion mad, and um, even though they have a good relationship, like well, he ruined her party. Yeah, he ruined her party. It was a costume party, and so that's pretty much like the end of him with that studio. So when RKO hires him on through Orson Welles, it's, you know, maybe to protect them or protect him, like either way. But Mank enjoys his, he's like, this is the best thing I've ever written. I want my name on it. And that's when Orson gets kind of like upset about it. And, And it's also Orson's narcissism here. He wants full control of the movie. What I thought was interesting about when he decided to ask to have his name on it it was like after multiple people in his life made special trips to see him because he's not at his house. He's like this is def- at a specific place. This is definitely in the desert. The most embellished shit in the movie. Yeah, it's like this parade of people coming to beg him to not do this movie. His, it's like he's already written yeah, this it's, movie. It starts with like his brother calls out Marion's nephew because yeah. he wants him to read the script, and he's like, 
Everyone's read this. I fucking can't tell script. you this is. Yeah, everyone's read it. He's like, I can't tell you this is okay because I don't know what she'll think. And so he takes the script and she reads it. And so then she comes to ask him to not do it. And honestly, she basically, I really thought Amanda Seyfried did a really great job in, in this role she did. because she, did she actually gave this woman like levels. Yeah. And this was a part which was really interesting because she basically was like, hey, listen, I understand what William and I are. Mm. but I love him. Yeah. We've had a lot. We've done a lot together. We have a history. Like, I don't want you to do this because it's going to hurt him. Yeah. But like, this is also like one of the most powerful men on the fucking country. But then she goes, am I convincing you at all? So it's like, how much of that was, do you know what I mean? There's like these levels of like, was she completely being genuine or was she like still just looking out for number one or like how innocent and sweet is she versus how like much is she trying to control things? I just thought it was interesting. And of course she mirrors the character in the movie, Mm -hmm. the showgirl that Charles Foster Kane runs off Mm -hmm. with. Like there were, there were people Real people that these characters did seem loosely based on. And then his wife comes and she doesn't try to convince him, but he basically is like, go ahead and tell me your speech too. Yeah. And she's like, well, I have rehearsed it. So here goes. But she wasn't going to do it. Like she wasn't going to ask him not to do the movie because she kind of knew it was pointless. But that's when she said the thing about like, I've put up with your drinking. I've put up with your platonic affairs. Stop calling me poor Sarah. And basically he's, he truly is like, truly, truly, why are you with me? And she goes, well, I've put so much time in. I kind of just want to see how it ends. Yeah. The lost, uh, uh, what's that? What's that called? When a Scientologist can't leave, it's like the sunk cost uh, fallacy. Oh, God. Sarah's in a sunk cost fallacy. She's put all this time into Herman. But I felt from her that she does genuinely care about him. Sure, of course. I mean, she did fall in love with someone here, you know. Anyway. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like you pulled a lot from Sarah. I, I really maybe more liked than her. maybe more than was actually like presented. <laughs> okay, but hey, it's all right. You pull what you want, but of course, you know. Um, one thing that I'm grateful that this movie didn't do was that we didn't get to some like scenes at the end where he's drunk himself to death and he dies. Totally. Thank you for not showing I know, that, that anything like that. No one wants to see that shit. I mean, there was enough here that no one wanted to see. There, was, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> this was a good movie, but but it was like a little bit too like, all right, Aww, quit yeah. quit huffing your own you're huffing your own farts a little too hard here, and a little pull, uh, pulling so much from the Citizen Kane. It's very obvious what it was doing. I mean, the specialness, the special feeling of it was all very up and down. You know what I'm saying? But uh, good performances and overall pretty well written. I would yeah. say, yeah. Um. And we get and we see uh, we hear actual audio of you know we see Mank and Orson they're not there mm-hmm. but they win uh, best written they best screenplay. best screenplay and they both got the Oscar for best screenplay and that was the only uh, award that movie won and one thing I was kind of surprised was and I think it's fine that they didn't do this but. Like I mentioned before, the movie did not do very well at first. It was very right. critically acclaimed. But it wasn't until a lot of European critics came along a few years later that it started getting that best movie ever made 
kind of lock on it. Didn't you tell me that it was because all the newspapers were mad about it that they wouldn't well, publish any, like anything that Hearst owned? I don't think he ran ads for Citizen Kane, so that probably yeah. didn't help matters. And much. maybe the others, if you're saying like there was more people upset, I mean, if if other people were upset, but it seemed it was kind of a sleeper in terms of the general public mm-hmm. grabbing onto it and checking it out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, always critically acclaimed, but that's where we're at, you know, now. So. You know, there had to be a few people, too, who were like, uh, it's just that War of the Worlds guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that guy, he tricked me into thinking aliens was invading. I don't What's like that do guy. What's he going me think this movie's real? Come on. Hey, no, pal. You're not going to trick me twice. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> the, Citizen Kane was also like the movie that was like where people were just incredulous, like talking about like an artsy fartsy thing. Like, it was like, oh, Rosebud's the sled. Okay. Oh, what about the time when he comes to visit Mank in the hospital? Mm. When he's dressed like... Like in F for fake? Yes, he's wearing the... F for fake. He's got like the... It was great. <laughs> this movie... Yeah, there was things to enjoy this. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we like this time. And I think, you know, I'm trying to think of it more objectively as a general consumption. If you like mm-hmm. this period in Hollywood, you're a fan of Citizen Kane. Yeah. It's worth your time. It's worth your time. Totally. Yeah. But like, if it, if none of that really means that much to you, I don't know if you're going to get a lot out of this I would movie. say maybe just like rewatch Citizen Kane and then watch Ed Wood. <laughs> That'd yeah. be a much more enjoyable evening. Yeah. I think, I, I think Ed Wood is like a better recreation. Uh, it is better of a, of an old Hollywood thing. I love thing. it. I love Ed Wood. Because Ed Wood is just like, it knows it's kind of goofy. Because the subject that. matter is goofy. Yes. So it's just kind of very expertly just kind of plays into the joy of it. Yeah. And this is just kind of like, it's almost like that Zack Snyder dryness where he's pull where he's, when he adapts something, it's maybe like a little too on the nose mm-hmm. and you know, th- some things just came off maybe a little more precious and maybe didn't execute in that, in that similar way. Yeah, I'm but, not a fan of but in ter- Zack Snyder. But in terms of old Hollywood story and the Upton Sinclair stuff, I did enjoy that. That was interesting. And if you like old Hollywood, and I do, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's worth watching once. But uh, we're going to give this one through five. We're going to hump this one through five times each and then combine for mm. best out of ten. And then we that will uh, we will determine our tiers from there. So tell me. Tell me. Ugh. How many times are you going to hump? David Fincher's 2020 film Mank. Um, and probably this got less uh, vocal buzz than actual Citizen Kane when it came out. Like, no one really talked oh, about yeah. this movie. I didn't know what it was at all when yeah. we picked it. Uh, mm, my instinct is like a 2.5, but that's a straight average. That's a straight average. Okay. But I, I mean, it's whatever you feel. 2.75. 0.75, okay. I'm going to go straight. I feel straight. like that's low, but... I feel like for a 1 through 5, I feel like this is a pretty straight 3 movie. Mm. Straight 3 movie. So you take my 3 and your 2.75. That is a 5.75. <laughs> is that our lowest one so far? Wow, that make, that brings it to... I thought it would hit a B tier. No. C. It hits C. It's like the high end of C tier. Um. So let me... Let me do to do here. Here we go. <laughs> and this is our second C tier movie. And um 
So it is, uh, it, it is above Story of the Kelly Gang. Oh, right. So Story, Story of the, the Kelly, Kelly Gang, Gang was, was hard to even judge. That, yeah, you know, yeah. we were just kind of having fun judging yeah. that one. But Mank 2020 by David Fincher at Gincher. <laughs> ah, I can't spell. Stop watching me misspell. It's at a 5.75. I thought it would hit B tier, but but uh, sorry, my fault. But 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 what a shock! It went high end C tier. I thought it was going to be B tier for sure, but that's just way the cookies. That's the way the the spilt booze falls. Because mm. uh, he was a drunk. He was a drunk. I also it was too long. That factors in. I feel like it was. Very long. Not a drug. Not not good enough. Not quite good enough to be that long. Was it over two hours? Right. Two hours and thirteen minutes. Give me a break. <laughs> we love short movies. Okay. Under two hours, it can be like one fifty nine, and I'm cool. So our randomly generated movie Mank is in the can. <gasps> so you know what that means. We get to randomly generate a new movie. We get to randomly generate. A new movie. Let now, me. Now this is not roulette, so we're not picking categories, right? This is just. Uh yeah yeah. Hold on, let me uh. Here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna just move some things around. Okay. So for the visual. All right. All so all all uh genres are selected. Okay. I'm gonna hit the generate button. Our next randomly selected movie will be. The 2018 film. It appears to be a foreign film. What is it called? It's called Cold War. Okay, that's what I thought. I can barely see from over here. It's called Cold War. I don't know anything about this. Okay. The cover I'm looking at is a Criterion. I do notice, I do recognize the Criterion symbol. So, cool on that. 2018, you said? 2018, it is a foreign film, Cold War. Cool. I'm guessing it's about the Cold War Mm. at that time, which... Spend a long period of time. Probably about Russians, right? Maybe uh Spies. East Germany, maybe. Maybe some double agents. Yeah, maybe it's a spy movie. I don't mind a good spy from movie. From here that looks like it's trying to be sexy. Yeah, it looks like there's a little romance involved. This um look at the overview here. Powell a film by Powell Polakowski. So it appears to be maybe Polish or Okay. I don't know. Some of these European studios, they call it, they often collaborate country to country. Like sometimes multiple countries will kind of come together and make a movie. This might be the case. I don't know. We'll find out uh, before the month is over. We'll probably Cold be discussing War. our next randomly selected movie, Cold War, and be on the lookout soon for some more animation discussions mm-hmm. and uh, our our um, movie roulette selection. Johnny Mnemonic is around the corner so um and that said death to all traitors death to all traitors thank you for listening to the movie humpers podcast you can also watch video of our discussions over at the movie humpers youtube channel which is our main home you can support us by subscribing and liking stuff over at our youtube channel Rating and reviewing our podcast wherever that can be done helps out as well. My Twitch handle is your very own Bob Sham. Twitch won't let me change it 
for two months. We hope to stream certain episodes live, and that will likely be the place. You can follow Movie Humpers over on Instagram. We keep it simple and straightforward over there. You can also check out my shitty Twitter account under the handle at Culture Rotter. Email us over at moviehumpers at gmail.com and tell us anything. Write us a story. I like emails. Not every email. Actually, most are terrible, but personable emails are always nice. Maybe I'll start an email list. That's all, folks. Thanks for listening. Death to all traitors.